Hello and welcome to the 10 Minute Play Podcast, where we present to you a new play in 10 minutes or less. Recently, I was featured on the interview program at Chatting with Sherry, where my good friend Sherry Rabinowitz talked to me about the 10 Minute Play Podcast. In honor of that, we present to you a play that was first premiered on her program, Sherry's Playhouse. This is Olivia's Room. Olivia's Room. The time, the present. A scene, a wine cellar. We open on a wine cellar, a single table, small and draped with a black tablecloth, two wingback chairs, two long stem wine glasses, and a bottle of wine resting in a bucket. The bucket itself is highly polished silver. Everything is stark and minimal. Hanging above one chair, just barely out of sight, is a hangman's noose. One more glass of wine? <laughs> just just one. Of course, Jacob. Just a single glass. Two men enter the wine cellar. Jacob is an older, fatter man. He is laughing louder than his companion upon whom he must lean. Jacob is obviously drunk. He is dressed in a cheap suit. Jacob's companion is Bruce. Bruce is younger, leaner, and although he appears to be drunk as well, there is a mean glint in his eye that suggests otherwise. Bruce is attired is much finer. Bruce leads Jacob to one of the wingback chairs and then sits down in the other. Jacob is studying the bottle of wine but hasn't reached for it yet. So, this is it? This is what, old friend? The great wine cellar you wouldn't shut up about. That I wouldn't shut up about? I only mentioned it once. Maybe you've you've mentioned it, but don't play coy with me, old friend. You know everyone's been abuzz about this mysterious cellar you've been building. I have no idea what you are talking about. Jacob starts to stand. If you brought me here just to toy with me, I have better things I could be doing. Suddenly, Bruce is standing, too, holding out a hand to stop Jacob. Jacob. You are drunk, and we know that when you get drunk, you get angry and you get reckless. Please sit down. I'm not toying with you. I just didn't know my remodeling plans were the talk of the town. (laughs) Oh, but they have been, Bruce. Only a year after Olivia's death, and suddenly you are remodeling her bedroom into a wine cellar? How could it not be the talk of the town? Bruce looks away as Jacob mentions his daughter closing his eyes. He then turns his attention back to the matters at hand and the guests at the table. I had no idea I was that popular. (laughs) You aren't, Bruce. But you just said. Oh, I mean no disrespect, Bruce, but it's the truth. The past year, you've been a hermit, avoiding the parties, the tastings. Only because those throwing the parties and the tastings are useless, brain-dead sorority girls who don't know a Chateau Palmier Margot from a Claude Dubois Chardonnay. The celebrity chefs they hire cannot cook a simple meal, nor do they know how to pair them. 
unlike you, Jacob, you, you are a master. You flatter me, but, uh... No, my friend. Don't even try to protest about what we both know is true. Your years of experience, the pairings, some unusual and unconventional, but always perfect. Your reviews in the Times and the Post... Well, it's obvious I am not alone in recognizing your mastery. You. You are the reason I built this. What is this, exactly? If it is a wine cellar, then it's severely understocked. Jacob motions to the one bottle on the table. This time, Bruce joins him. No, my friend, this is my tasting room. The Jacob Montalcino tasting room. You named your tasting room after me? Of course I did. As I said, you are a testament to fine taste and elegant. Again, you flatter me. You are also one of Olivia's favorite people. God rest her soul. God rest her soul. Jacob makes the sign of the cross, but sloppily, as Bruce uncorks the wine bottle. You were there, weren't you? Where? (laughs) Now who is playing coy? At Olivia's last party. I... I don't rightly recall. Jacob, I know your memory is like a steel trap. It is the one thing that is admirable about you. No matter how much wine your brain soaks up, it never forgets a party. Uh, speaking of parties, uh, won't your guests be wondering where we've disappeared to? Angela will make sure we've, that we needed a moment or two of privacy to reminisce and honor my beloved daughter. Bruce pours a glass of wine for Jacob and then a glass for himself. He picks up the glasses, and even though he can simply hand it to Jacob, he makes a big show of walking it over to his friend. He continues to walk stopping just behind the chair Jacob is sitting in and raises his glass and toast. To Olivia. To Olivia. Jacob quickly drains his glass of wine, but Bruce hasn't even touched his yet, still holding the glass up in toast. And to one day finding her killer. At this, Jacob coughs and almost doubles over, his eyes wide. He tries to gain his composure, but it isn't quickly coming. He straightens up a little and looks over at Bruce. Her killer? Bruce, what happened to Olivia was an accident. Bruce looks down at Jacob, seated, his eyes flashing in anger and in rage. An accident. An accident. How does a 16-year-old girl get drunk as she got and then is allowed to drive by accident? Uh, that's that's not what I meant, Bruce. What I meant was... Uh... No, no, you're right. Of course you are. Jacob, what is your greatest fear? What? Your greatest fear. What is it? Mine, for instance, was losing my daughter, outliving her. I think that's every parent's greatest fear. But you, you have no family, no children, no spouse or partner. 
You live alone in this world. I'm not alone. <laughs> I suppose not. You have your circle of friends, don't you? Those hanger-ons who circle around you like carrions circling on a rotting corpse, who hang around you only because of your reputation, unearned at that, grants you access to the parties where booze and drugs flow freely. That's enough. I'm leaving. In one deft moment, Bruce is also up and has grabbed a hold of Jacob's arm and forces him back down into his chair. Sit down, shut up, and listen. Jacob starts to stand again, but the drink, the obvious drunkenness and age, makes him an easy target. Bruce pushes Jacob into the chair. There's a cold gleam in Bruce's eye as he towers above Jacob, almost daring him to try again. Bruce, what are you doing? Help! Someone, please help! I told you to shut up! Uh, what, what are you doing? Your greatest fear. What is it? Why are you doing this? What is your greatest fear? Bruce! Answer me, damn it. I told you mine. Now tell me yours. To die. To die alone. Are you happy now? Is this what you wanted to hear? Now why are you doing this? Am I happy? Am I happy? No. I will never again be happy. For the reason my happiness is dead. Dead because of you. My daughter, the shining light of my life, is dead because of you. I didn't kill Olivia. Don't lie to me. I know you did. Bruce, I would never have hurt Olivia. I'm... The only reason she went is because you were there, her uncle Jacob. She would have never associated with those people if you hadn't been there. You got her drunk, then you let her drive home drunk. You are the reason I am living out my greatest fear, and now I will be the reason you live out yours. What? Bruce, what are you talking about? Oh, we both know the truth, don't we, Uncle Jacob? We both know that Olivia wasn't behind that wheel. Bruce, you're my oldest friend, and I'm going to tell you this out of my love for you. You are letting your grief blind you. Jacob, Jacob, Jacob. Jacob, you bought off the police when they showed up at that accident. Did you think $10,000 would be enough to silence them forever? Did you ever consider that someone might pay them more to tell the truth? The truth? Uh, what is the truth, Bruce? How do you know these men didn't lie to you, to tell you whatever story you wanted to hear? Because I know you, Jacob. I've known you for 30 years, and I know you never let anyone else drive, no matter how drunk you are. I remember the parties where you insisted on driving home despite how drunk you were. I know that you were at that party and that the taxi service you called records picking you up just a few miles from the site of the accident. I know all of this because I know my best friend, and I knew my daughter. I knew who was more likely to drive home drunk. So tell me, Jacob, 
Is dying alone your greatest fear? Yes, of course it is. Who wants to die alone? You lie. I think your greatest fear is the truth. I think your greatest fear is being found out. But I've taken care of all of that. Bruce sets his still full glass of wine on the table in front of Jacob and reaches into his jacket and pulls out a sealed envelope. What? What is that? Did you enjoy the wine, Jacob? Bruce, what are you doing? Bruce, let me go and we'll forget this ever happened. Did you enjoy the wine? Yes. Is that what you wanted me to say? Yes, it was a fine wine. I'm glad you did, Jacob, because that glass of wine was the last glass of wine you'll ever have. Bruce, what is that? This is a letter, Jacob, confessing your part in my daughter's death. Now, a year later, you are so distraught that you've come here to her room to have one more glass of wine, one last glass of wine, before you make amends for your sins. You're mad. You're going to kill me in cold blood. Bruce reaches up and pulls down the noose, hanging unnoticed above Jacob. Bruce, Bruce, you're my oldest friend. What are you doing? I'm not going to kill you, Jacob. In fact, I'm going to leave you now. Leave you alone. Alone with this rope. Alone with the confession we both know is true. Alone with this very fine wine. Bruce picks up his long-forgotten glass and drains it in one gulp. I can see why it's your favorite, Jacob. It is a very fine wine. I hope you enjoy it. Bruce turns and exits, leaving Jacob staring at the bottle of wine and the envelope laid out in front of him. Jacob starts to stand and then falls back into his chair. He picks up the envelope and opens it, pulling out the letter and beginning to read. This is my final column, my confession, my penance for the murder of my goddaughter, Olivia. I can no longer live with the guilt that... (laughs) I can no longer live with the guilt that has consumed me for the past year. Fade to black. That was Olivia's Room, written by Everett Robert, starring Tanya Lee Carr, John Delaraz, and Larry Hudson. Originally heard on the Sherry's Playhouse, right here on a Blog Talk Radio. And for more information on Sherry's Playhouse, look up Sherry's Playhouse on Facebook or go to Rye the Bar. You can also find out more about Olivia's Room by going to emergencyroomproductions.com or checking us out on the New Play Exchange at newplayexchange.org. If you've enjoyed the 10-Minute Play podcast, I do encourage you to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or on Stitcher. Subscribe, like, rate, and review. We are also on Patreon at EERobert, or you can follow me on Twitter at E.E. Robert, Instagram at E.R. Robert, or you can like us on Facebook at Emergency Room Productions. Thank you again for listening to the 10-Minute Play Podcast. The 10-Minute Play Podcast is a production of Emergency Room Productions, 
Copyright 2018.